Siato Alpha and welcome to the sixth episode of the Toki Yukamea podcast. This is Richard. This is the special President's Day edition. And for those of you outside of the USA wondering what President's Day is, this is just a day, a holiday that we have designated to、um, honor our past presidents. And I honestly really don't care for it. I like that I have a day off from work. So. So, I want to use this time in the spirit of presenting counter narratives of history to do episode six. But how about that episode five? Was that crazy or what? We finally see Mariner in action and going to war and supporting、uh, Finau Ulukalala as he goes to battle at the Nukualofa Fortress. Epic, epic episode. I mean, when I flip through the book and I'm reading through that part, I just think this would be like a blockbuster in Hollywood. But you know what? I think this would be even better as like an HBO series. I mean, this is totally like the caliber of、uh, Game of Thrones, I think. In my opinion, yes, yes. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. Okay, let's get started with the episode. But first, let's recap episode five. We're going to do something a little different today with our recap. This is recap by the numbers. Three, the three main culprits of the Tukuaho assassination Tupo Niua, which is the half brother of Finau Ulkalala, Muliki Haamea, and also Finau Ulkalala himself, and a rumored, like behind the scenes,、uh, pushing buttons. And、uh, orchestrating all of this is Tupo Moheofo, who was removed from power by Tukuaho when she made herself the Tuikanokpolu. And now she is living in the safety of the Ulukalala family in Vava'u. 11. For the 11 years that Finau Ulukalala had tried unsuccessfully to penetrate Tongatapu since the assassination of Tukuaho. Four carronades. The four 12 pound carronades that Ulukalala took with him. To blow apart the Nukualofa fortress, and these were the ones that he salvaged from the Porto Prince. One hour, that's all the time it took for Ulkalala to bring down the Nukualofa fortress. One fancy English chair, the chair Finau Ulkalala took from the Porto Prince and then took it with him to the assault on the Nukualofa fort. And then he proceeded to perch it on a reef and monitor the battle at a distance while his men attacked the fort. What is it with Tongans and these fancy big chairs? Eight muskets. That's all it took to take down 40 enemy warriors all in five minutes, forcing the rest of the enemies to retreat to the fort. 350, that was the total number of the dead after the battle at the Nukualofa fort. One treacherous bastard, and that was Takai, who came from the Pea fort and wanting to swear his allegiance to. Finau Ulukalala, but then he turned around and stabbed him in the back and burnt down the fort after Finau Ulukalala went through the trouble of fortifying the fort for his own use. Then we learned about、uh, different types of ceremonies that they did back in those days. One of them was Tuki. 
Duki was a ceremony where you had to dress in a taovala and you had to wear、uh, the ifi leaves from the ifi tree, which is like a chestnut tree. And then you go to、uh, the faitoka or the grave of、uh, your deceased、um, ancestors and you would、uh, plead for them to support your cause. And so、uh, before Finau Ulkala and his men went to attack the Nukolofa fort, he went to his father's grave at Maufanga. Uh, where he performed this ceremony of Tuki so that he can、uh, muster up the support of his ancestors for this battle that he was about to、uh, engage in. We also learned about the Fagalahi, which is a ceremony to end the tapu on certain types of food that you eat after、um, a death of a Tuitonga. And so during the funeral of a Tuitonga, you consume a lot of food, and we do that today still. Um, and so at that time, it would go on for a month. And then atapu was placed on certain types of food where you couldn't eat it for eight months. And so the fagalahi is the ceremony to remove the atapu.、Um, and the main idea is to give、uh, time for those foods to replenish so that you have something to eat in the future. Okay, we also get a glimpse into the complicated character of Fina Ulkalala, right? Because he's tender one moment and he shows、uh, a lot of uh, tenderness um, to Fina Ulkalala when he talks about his mother, asking him if he has a mother and just really concerned for him because、uh, he found out, yes, he has a mom. His mom is out there somewhere in the world,、uh, probably thinking of her son and where he's at and if he's doing well or if he's even alive. And so that really touched Fina Ulkalala, and he appointed one of his wives by the name of Mafi Hape to be the adopted mother for Fina Ulkalala. But then in the very next paragraph, we see Fina Ulkalala irritated with an old lady who was,、uh, it sounded like she was a little senile, and she had the reason to be because she's lost loved ones、um, recently, but then she also had a child. Who was strangled,、uh, which was the practice back in the day,、uh, in order to, if you had like a chief that was sick, you would offer your child as a sacrifice. And unfortunately, her poor child was offered as a sacrifice and she never fully recovered from that. And I guess she just went crazy or she went, sorry, I didn't mean to use that ableist language, but、uh, obviously, you know, she had a lot of trauma and it affected her and the way she thinks. and Um, she became a nuisance to everybody, and so Fina Ulkalala ordered Mariner to shoot her, and he wouldn't do it.、Uh, but then he ordered one of the Hawaiians to shoot her, and of course, you know, the Hawaiians then were very, just, they were just very loyal.、Um, they wouldn't question orders, and so、um, the lady was shot dead. And, and the sad thing is, it seemed like everyone was happy about it because she was. Known to uh, interrupt uh, certain types of uh, ceremonies, uh, important ceremonies, gava uh, parties. Uh, she would intrude the,、uh, these important ceremonies naked. And so、um, they were happy to be rid of her. We also learned that Maufanga was one of several designated areas throughout Tonga that were known as、uh, sanctuary areas. And so these areas were tapu. And in the times of war, or actually even in any time, if、um, someone is seeking to end your life, this is one of the areas where you can go and find refuge. And so we come to learn that Maufanga is one of those spots, and then Pangai in Haapai is also one of those spots. 
And then I mentioned Takai. He comes from the,、uh, the Pea Fort, and he wants to,、uh, or he feigns his allegiance to Ulukalala. But then he didn't really mean it because Ulukalala makes preparations to depart、uh, Tongatapu to go to Hapai because he has a ceremonial role in the Fakalahi. And so he goes to、uh, Pangaimotu with his men. And from Pangaimotu, he can see, and this was at nighttime, the fort was on fire because Takai was not really、uh, who he pretended to be. He was a fake and a fraud, and he was there to destroy any kind of hopes of Fina Ulukalala taking over Tangatapu. So Fina Ulukalala is just angry and pissed off, and you know, his nature, he really wants to go back and kick Takai's ass, but. His priests advise against it because the next day they have to leave to go to Hapai for the Fralahi. So he doesn't do it.、Uh, cooler heads prevail. But not all was lost. Filimoyatu arrives from Hihifo to Pangaimotu to enter into Finau service. And that's where we ended the last episode. Okay, everyone, we are going to take a break from all the carnage and all the violence and all the bloodshedding and just all the craziness of last episode. And in this point in the book, we detour to Hapai for the ceremony known as Fagalahi, in which Finau Ulukalala has a ceremonial role. And if you remember,、um, he, when they were back in Pangaimotu and when Takai betrayed him and burnt down the fort. He wanted to go back and fight because that's just that's his nature. You know, he is an ass kicker. And so、um, his priest reminded him that no, do not go back.、Uh, you actually have this obligation. You have to go back to Hapai for、uh, the Fakalahi, which、uh, let's talk about that right now. I posted a little bit of information about this on our Instagram page for those of you that follow me on Instagram. But apparently, Fakalahi is an important ceremony that even Finau Ulukalala can't just you know, skip out on. And so, what it entails、uh, so, this is actually what happened. Remember back in the podcast on the second day Mariner was in Tonga, he woke up and everybody's heads were shaven. Um, and they were shaven because of a Tuitonga that had passed away. I'm assuming this Tuitonga was Maulupe Kotofa because this matches the timeline. Maulupe Kotofa was the 37th Tuitonga, and he was the older brother of Pau.、Uh, Pau was the husband of Tupo Moheofo. And、um, they say that he should have been the first the Tuitonga before Pau because. He is of a higher rank. One of the things that he's known for is that he tried to reduce or remove、um, the many tapus that are associated with a tuitonga. So, when a tuitonga passes away, of course, there's lots of people, and whenever there's lots of people, they have to be fed, and so lots of food is consumed during this time. And so, for a month,、um, you know, they would bring in food.、Um, food is to help take care of. Of everyone that comes to,、um, to this event. Europeans were initially confused when they first witnessed these types of events where people would bring food and then there was just like a mass consumption of food.、Um, and they thought that this was like a ritual to worship the dead. Mariner found out, however, during his stay in Tonga that. Um, that it was very customary for people to bring food because the food would eventually get redistributed to everyone else who comes 
to the event. To, so in this case, it's a funeral. People bring food for the funeral, and the food is not for the dead. The food is actually for the living, and they use it to feed everybody that's there. And I can't help but think of that incident,、uh, you know, when Mariner was complaining of hunger, and he went to complain to Fina Ulukalala, like we don't have anything to eat. And Fina Ulukalala asked him, "Well, how do you procure food where you live?" And he told him,、uh, "You know, we、um, we have to wait to be invited into people's homes in order to have、uh, to have a meal." And so、uh, Fina Ulkalala just kind of like told him that's the stupidest thing he's ever heard. And in Tonga, if you're hungry, you just go into any house that's cooking, and you eat. So it's kind of like the you know that confusion about how things work in different cultures. And so it's nice to get this clarification that this is not what was going on. We,、uh, they were not worshiping the dead; they were actually bringing food to feed the living. Anyway, I'll come back in later in this episode to talk more about what happens at a. Because Mariner was able to go and he witnessed、uh, all of the events that were happening there. So the next day at Pangaimotu, there was this incident that brought a much-needed humorous distraction to the events of the day before.、Uh, so Mariner writes a letter and he gives this letter to the chief of Maufanga to give to any ship that comes from Europe and is passing through. Tui Tui, so you all remember Tui Tui, Tui Tui the hater. He's from Hawaii. Uh, Tui Tui intercepts the letter, and it seems like anything Manner tries to do, Tui Tui is like always there, shutting him down. I wonder if he was like jealous of him because you know Tui Tui had actually,、uh, because he was able to speak English, he was from Hawaii, so I'm sure that if there was a situation that was restricted by Tapu.、Um, Tui Tui was one of those people because he's not from Tonga. He is not Tongan.、Um, he could be a proxy for Finau Ulukalala to get around these、uh, whatever you know was tapu, and so he was、uh, very beneficial. I would assume to Finau Ulukalala until you know this little brat comes along from England and he knows how to use、uh, the cannons and he also knows how to use muskets, and so he is instrumental in this war. That Finau Ulkalala is trying to wage on Tongatapu and trying to, you know, unite his power, and Tui Tui is probably just like jealous of that because now he's like not the top dog, and Finau Ulkalala's attention is divided between him and Tui Tui, and I'm sure many other things that he has to manage. Anyway, so Tui Tui intercepts the letter and he tells Ulkalala that the letter exposes the truth of what happened to the Porto Prince and the captain and all its crew that was slaughtered. And it was a request for whoever reads the letter to come and take revenge on their behalf. You know, I was really on the fence with Tui Tui, but now I just decided I don't like you, Tui Tui. I do not like you. Finau looks at the letter and he can't make any sense of it. He holds it upside down. He turns it around, and then he gets frustrated and he hands it to another Englishman, and he orders him to tell him what it meant. So the Englishman takes it and he's trying to translate it into. Uh, the Tongan that he knew, and it was uh, basically, um, he told the captain that it was a request for any English captain to interfere with Finau for the liberty of myself and my countrymen, stating that we have been kindly treated by the natives, but nevertheless wish to return, if possible, to our native country. Mariner notes in the book that. This was not the true substance of the letter, but it was what was least likely to give offense. And surprisingly, Ulukalala sympathizes with with him with the contents of the letter, and he ain't mad about it. But he does summon 
Mariner to his quarters. Can you imagine being summoned to Final Ulukalala's quarters? Be like, oh shit, what did I do now? I have this one particular uncle I'm thinking of that is just like reminds me. You know, when I see the characteristics of Ulukalala, he reminds me so much of him, in that he, you know, quite a hothead, uh, very bad-tempered, but at the same time, just a very loving, caring person. But everything that comes out of his mouth is sounds very mean and、uh, very traumatizing. If Final Ulukalala summoned me to his quarters, I would be scared shitless. Anyway, so actually, Mariner、uh, mentions in the book that the letter actually advised anyone who reads it to bypass Tongatapu and head to Hapai, where it was more peaceful,、uh, because you know Tongatapu was currently embroiled in that bloody civil war that we just learned about in the last episode. Um, and then he also advised them not to allow too many natives on board their ship. Of course, taking that from his own experience with the Porto Prince. And then he advises them to take a chief hostage and use him to negotiate for the release of Mariner and the other Englishmen. Hmm, that's pretty ballsy. So Mariner is now with Ulukalala, and also there's other men、um, inside the quarters, and also the Englishmen that he had him tra-、uh, translate. Mariner's letter. Ulukalala demands for Mariner to write his name on a piece of paper. Put me down, fee now, he says to Mariner. So then Mariner writes his name down on a piece of paper. He writes fee now, and then Ulukalala takes the paper from him and gives it to the other Englishman. He tells the Englishman to turn around and read what was written on the paper. So he turns around and he reads fee now, and Ulukalala's mind is just blown. He says. This is neither like myself nor anybody else. Where are my eyes? Where is my head? And where are my legs? How can you possibly know it to be me? And so this goes on for three to four hours, according to Mariner, and he is just giving him all kinds of words to write down names of places, persons, things, and then he has the Englishman turn around and read it. And they were just all amused by how writing and reading works. So remember a couple of episodes ago when Fina was convinced by Tuitui and some other people that books and writing instruments were tools of witchcraft. Remember that? And Mariner said that he tried to explain to him that they were not, but at the time he barely knew the language. He didn't even know how to speak Tongan at all. Uh, because that was like when he was first、uh, in Tonga, but this has been two years has transpired since then, and so now he had a little more mastery of the Tongan language, and so he was explaining to Ulukalala how it all works, and so Ulukalala tells him to write the word or the name Tukuaho. Again, he had the other Englishman read it, and Ulukalala declared that this was like the most wonderful thing he has ever heard or seen. Yay! Hooked on phonics worked for him. Ulukalala then told Mariner to write Takai, and again the other person read it. He asked if Takai was blind or not, and Mariner said that that wasn't a fair question to ask because that's not how how writing works. And so he said to write Takai blind in his left eye, which he did, and it was read, and everyone in the room was like, "Wow, Tika Alpito!" 
So then Mariner explained to Ulkalala how writing can be used to send messages to great distances. So you can roll it up and keep the contents a secret and it can be delivered to another party, etc. And Ulkalala acknowledged that this has to be the most noble invention, but added that it would not at all do for Tonga because it would just cause major drama. And you see how wise Ulukalala is because he really knows his people, right? And it's 2020 and we still see a lot of you doing exactly what Finau Ulukalala feared. Uh, you are on social media spouting a lot of your bullshit. And I mean, the worst ones are like the ones who fight on social media and then they fight in real life. Uh, like, you know, at the Kolis Tutuku over here that they had for Liahona. And then uh, the Patoa people, some of you are crazy as hell too. Finau Ulukalala predicted that you would be doing all this and look at all of you on social media being a fool. Okay, let's get back to the story. So they're all just like in awe of this writing and reading this new thing that they discovered. And Ulukalala expressed to Mariner that he wanted to learn how to write. Okay, and this part is so damn funny. So apparently, Ulukalala wanted Mariner to also teach the women how to write. And there is a reason why he says he wanted for all the women to know it, that he might make love with less risk of discovery and not risk getting his brains knocked out by their husbands. Ha! Ulukalala is that player. totally agree with Mariner that um, that was a much needed distraction from the day before and now uh, it's the day after and they are making preparations to depart to Ha'apai for the Fagalahi ceremony. Now I've already um, detailed exactly what the purpose of the ceremony is but through Mariner's eyes we actually get to find out what happens at a Fagalahi ceremony. According to Mariner, they uh, arrived at Nomuka. Nomuka is an island that's just on the southernmost part of the Ha'apai chain. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with uh, the geography of Tonga, uh, Tonga Tapu is like on the most southern part. And then in the middle, there is Ha'apai. Um, and then there's Vava'u up to the north. And then even north of Vava'u are the two small islands at the twin Niwa. So there's Niwa Toptapu and Niwa Fo'o. Oh, and I forgot to mention Ewa. So Ewa is just down. It's uh, actually close to Tongatapu. And if you remember in the last episode, Nomuka is where that was the rendezvous point for Finau and all his party before they departed to Tonga. But um, ultimately, uh, when they went for the Fagalahi, they uh, landed in Lifuka where all the ceremonies took place. So according to Mariner, there were two places designated for the Fagalahi ceremony. One was the grave of the Tuitonga, and then the other one was at the Malae of Finau Ulukalala. So for those of you that, uh, if you don't know what a Malae is, pretty much a field where all of these ceremonies uh, take place. And so uh, malae would be like the same as like a marae, almost spelled the same way, except uh, uh, I think the Maoris, they have a different 
um, context and purpose for their marae. And the same thing like in in Tahiti, they also say marae. In Tonga, the, mara, the malae is pretty much like the central place where all these events take place, whether it's religious ceremonies and rituals or sports. Uh, anything um, that brings people together, a mass gathering is usually, all of these things are done at a malae. And so at the Tuitonga, the malae of the Tuitonga, there in each four corners, this is what they would do. Um, they would take four poles, and so Mariner estimated them to about 18 feet long, and they would create um, kind of like a box. So imagine um, these poles that are uh, driven into the ground and they're standing straight up. Um, 18 feet long to create a box and then the next thing they would do is they would um, cross smaller poles six inches apart um, and they would use it to secure the poles that are standing up and they would lash it with fao and fao if you're not familiar with what that is that is the uh, fiber from the hibiscus tree so um, when you see like Tahitian dancing, the kind of skirts they wear, that's fao. That's um, stripped bark from the hibiscus tree. So maybe not a box, but more like a cage. And so they would build these things up and then they would fill it with ufi. And so they would fill it up with ufi to the top, but then they would add more poles and then they would lash on more of the cross pieces. And then they would ha'i it with a fao and fill it with more ufi until these towers reached 50 to 60 feet long so you're talking about five to six stories tall and then they would place a roast pig on top and they would put one of these towers in each corner of the malays so four of them imagine four of these huge ufi towers with a buaka sitting on top before the falahi ceremony they killed 300 to 400 pigs is what mariner estimated and then they were half-baked and then all the preparations were done at um, Finau's Malae. So um, they would prepare all of the present the food presentations for the Tuitonga. Um, it was all done in his Malae where he would inspect it. And his Malae was quite a distance from the Malae of the Tuitonga. But I mean, not too far, but they're not exactly quite neighbors or right next to each other. So on Finau's Malae, there were the 300, 300, 400 pigs as well as five wooden cars or sleds full of ufi, each holding about 500 ufi. And this is where people would assemble and amuse themselves with like wrestling and other games while they were waiting around um, and preparing to uh, make the food presentations, which would happen at the malae of the Tuitonga. Finau Ulukalala's warriors would come and also test their strength. And so they would look for the heaviest buaka, the heaviest pig, and then they would attempt to carry the pig from the malae at Finau's residence over to the Tuitonga, uh, the malae of the Tuitonga. And apparently this was quite amusing, a spectacle for all the people that were there to watch these young warriors try to best each other uh, by showing who can um, carry the heaviest hog over to the malae of the Tuitonga and you know the hogs were because they were half baked they were uh, kind of greasy so it was uh, slippery and they kept dropping it and you know people were just uh, entertained by that but I mean a food presentation and you're going to give a hog that people keep dropping um, if I was a recipient of this gift I would happily take it in public and then I would go throw it into the sea and feed it to the sharks Anyway, so eventually everything that was at the Malae 
of Fina Ulukalala's residence would be taken over to the Malai Atatuitonga's residence. And this is where all the food presentation would happen. And according to Mariner, these were the people, the high-ranking figures that were present at the Fagalahi, uh, the Tuitonga, and then also Veasi'i. Veasi'i was a high-ranking chief. Um, Veasi'i was the son of a Tuitonga Fefine, so that uh, he actually ranks higher than the Tuitonga. And then, of course, Fina Ulukalala. And so, uh, the Tuitonga and um, Veasi'i, they might be ranked higher. But Finau Ulukalala has all the power. And that was pretty much known throughout Tonga. So the four towers of, of food were assigned as such. The first one was assigned to Ulukalala and he couldn't touch it until uh, afternoon when everything was distributed. The second one was given to Veasi'i. And the, the third one was given to the gods. And this was claimed by the priests who were present. And then the fourth one was given to the Tuitonga. Then all the food that was uh, presented, that ended up getting distributed to everybody that was there. And then the ceremony concluded with dancing and wrestling. And once everyone had a portion of the food to take home, the tapu is then lifted. And hey, it's party time. So at this point in the book, we are introduced to Finau Ulukalala's three daughters. And the eldest of the three daughters is 18 years old. And she is betrothed to the Tuitonga. And so while they're all there for the Fagalahi, the Tuitonga expresses to Finau Ulukalala that he wants to marry her. And since they're all there, uh, they all agree to have the wedding ceremony five days after the Fagalahi. She is profusely anointed with perfumed oil made of coconut oil and sandalwood and is dressed in fine mats from Samoa, what we call Kieha Moa. And he's estimating that she's wearing about 40 yards of fine mats around her body. Her attendants are dressed in a similar fashion but with less mats. Once they are all dressed and ready, they arrive at the Malae of the Tuitonga and the Matapule of the Tuitonga receives them. The bride and her attendants are then seated on the green before the Tuitonga's house. And then a woman entered the circle and her face was covered with feta'aki. And feta'aki is just a white ngatu that is undecorated. And this woman had it covering her face. She would then enter the house of the Malae and there was another woman in the house sitting at the upper end of the house waiting for her and received her with a ngatu, a wooden pillow which we called a kali in Tonga and then a basket of different types of perfumed oils. The woman who entered the house took the ngatu from the other and wrapped herself up in it, laying her head upon the wooden pillow and pretended to sleep. The Tuitonga then rose up, taking his bride by the hand, led her into the house, seated her on his left hand. Twenty hogs were brought to the circle of the Malae. They were all portioned and shared out to all the chiefs. And interestingly, they would not partake of the of the puaka that was given them. They would actually just take the piece of pork that was given to them 
and they would put it to their bosoms, and they are not allowed to eat it because it is tapu to partake of food in the presence of the tuitonga. So all the other chiefs that were there that are not Tongan, it would fall on them to come and actually claim uh, those pieces of food for themselves because they are exempt from the tapu. And then the woman that was wrapped in the ngatu rises and goes away and takes the ngatu and all the oils with her. And then the tuitonga takes his bride into his dwelling and the attendants follow. The bride then has all the kieha amoa removed from her and she changes into just her uh, regular clothing and she conversates with the other women and they all you know sit around and talk story i guess and mariner makes note that all the wives of the tuitonga have their own quarters and he seldom goes into their homes they come to him because of the tapu right because homes that he enters once a tuitonga enters a home it is considered tapu and the people in that home or anyone else can no longer go in there so even the wives of the tuitonga can't um, eat or drink in his presence and so uh, that is also considered tapu so anyways the night goes on uh, they're feasting and they're also drinking kava and having a kava ceremony uh, and then the musicians come in and they are positioned opposite of the tuitonga and his bride and then dancers come in as well Merner notes that the musicians are all playing uh, different types of bamboos and they the bamboos are struck to the ground to uh, make you know a percussion sound so um, and then there was one man who was playing a split bamboo and he was playing it with two sticks to uh, give also a kind of like a counterbeat. and then he describes the dance um, he goes to great lengths to describe it to me it sounds like he is describing the faha iula <laughs> describes uh, the dancers as 20 women uh, they entered the circle with garlands of hibiscus around their heads and they were dressed with um, leaves i'm assuming probably low sea or like tea leaves because that was typical of those days so then they're dancing and you know everyone's feasting and they're all having a good time just a katoanga and celebrating uh, the marriage of the Tuitonga to the daughter of Finau Ulukalala. So here's the cool thing. At the end of the night, one of uh, the Matapules, uh, he got up to address the company before everyone uh, departed. And um, he gave them pretty much is what Mariner describes as a moral discourse on chastity. And this Matapule advised the young men to respect the women, to respect the wives of their neighbors. That's pretty funny right there. And to never take liberties with unmarried women against their consent. Did you all hear that? Did you all hear that? This is a matapule back in early 1800s Tonga telling young men pretty much not to be rapists. And then after that very wise counseling, everyone departs for their homes. And then the Tuitonga summons for his new bride and they also depart for their home and they go do whatever it is that newlyweds do. And then a male attendant puts out all of the torches and then another attendant lets out three what Mariner calls uh, war whoops, but I think he's trying to describe a fraulu. And you know how we fraulu when we're all excited. So he hears three of those 
and then the attendant plays the conch shell and that's where we are going to end this episode and you know this was a nice one this was like a very light-hearted uh very insightful episode we get to uh have a sneak peek into some of the rituals and ceremonies that were happening at that time i don't think anyone i've never seen the falahi or even heard of it so i don't even think anyone does it anymore uh, because that was so associated with the uh, Tuitonga and the Tuitonga no longer uh, exists, um, at least, you know, in in the way they did in those times. So this was a lighthearted episode, a nice break from uh, the last one that was just, you know, so heavy and so crazy. But in our next episode and in the next part of the book, we have a new character who's going to enter the picture enter the scene and this is Tupoutoa, the son of Tukuaho, and he certainly feels some type of way. Well children, that was a lot of fun. Talk about two completely polar opposites. Uh, episodes. You got one episode that was just like totally packed with action and then the other one was really more just a national geographic type documentary on the type of uh, ceremonies that were happening in Tonga at that time and what they looked like. So this is a thing that makes this book so awesome because it has just the uh, you know the right pacing and balance and um, really good storytelling and it's like totally suitable for like episodes it's episodic and why hasn't someone made a movie or a tv show about this because this is perfect this is totally perfect again i can't thank you all enough thank you so much for your support i read all your dms i read all of the emails that you send me i can't always reply to them right away but i want you to know that i see you and i appreciate you Thank you so much for listening. Send your questions to rwolfgram at gmail.com, R-W-O-L-F-G-R-A-M-M, or you can leave us a voicemail on our anchor page, and you can also leave us a voicemail on uh, the Google Voice number. That number is 385-347-0906. I want to give a special shout out to my Mana Academy colleagues. Yes, I see you and I thank you and I love you all. It is such a pleasure to work with all of you and thank you for supporting the podcast. And happy birthday to one of our uh, paraprofessionals at Mana Academy who also works in our music department, Sifa Wesi. Happy belated birthday to you and please get better and I hope you don't have the coronavirus. And if you do, uh, don't come back to work until you are completely uh, quarantined and healed <laughs> okay ofatu to all of you and take care of yourselves <laughs>